I'm Mark Geary, your host and arbiter of all that is considered funny, and you're listening to a podcast called You Think That's Funny. You may interpret that title as either a declarative imperative or an accusatory statement, depending on your own inclination. If you'd like to follow along with this episode at a fanboy type level, you can also check out some of the funny things we're about to talk about. Links to everything are available at youthinkthatsfunnypodcast.com. Or if you're feeling like you want to get to it straight away, you could go to YouTube and search for Urban Cowboy Sissy on the Ball. That sounds intriguing, doesn't it? All right. For those who want to do the research, you can hit the pause button right now. But for the rest of us, here we go. This week's guest is uh, Tom Lawler. He is a corporate communications professional, but more importantly, is the creator and visionary that brought the Lincoln Lodge kicking and screaming into the world. For full disclosure on this episode, Tom is a friend and colleague of mine in comedy for over two decades. And as a precursor to what we're going to review, I do find the things that he finds funny to be funny myself. So let's talk. Oh, let's say hello, Tom. Hello, Tom. Hello, Tom, indeed. Um, so let's actually get straight into it. Um, so well, first of all, that, that's a, that, that, there's a lot to unpack there in your intro. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I want to pause myself and just listen to that again. Uh, declarative imperative. Um, actually, I missed the comma. It's either a declarative, comma, imperative, or an accusatory statement. You think that's funny. I did write that down. I did feel like those two words were redundant. So, okay, that yeah. makes, so we're missing some punctuation there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for picking that one up. And then when you say urban cowboy sissy ball, it sounds it sound like you said sissy ball, but I think it's sissy bull, right? Sissy on the bull. Sissy on the bull. Okay, so, so people, yeah. if they search for sissy ball, they, they might get some entirely different results. Well, urban cowboy bull ride gets you a few different ones sissy on the ball is the specific scene okay we're, we're headed towards i look forward to it all right all right so that, that's the that's the groundwork laid uh for the for this thrilling installment um so let's go through i think we're going to take a slightly different tack and we're going to go through them one by one um, normally I just rattle them all off, but we're doing them one by one because inevitably, Tom, you presented me with a very esoteric uh, selection here. Nothing more esoteric than the first one, in fact. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it and you can sort of elaborate for us. So the first thing that Tom finds funny, there's a scenario where the unlikely customer walks into a bar and the bar the room freezes and then reacts why do they always have a record player and a pool table in these scenes please elaborate yeah so it doesn't matter if it's the 50s or the you know uh, uh, 10 years ago it's always the sound of a record being scratched so uh that, that, that means that the soundtrack in this room is being powered by a record player for some reason. And somehow the, the shocking entrance of this person, either a white person, all black club or the, uh, vice versa, it's causing someone to what, back into the record player and, and scratch it. I, I don't understand why that happens that quickly. 
Um, but that seems to be the sound effect that uh, is kind of the go-to um, trope here for that, for that kind of scene. And I wonder why we haven't rethought that more often. And, and you, but you do find it funny. I mean, is this is something you, or, or you find it funny as to why it's used or does it make you laugh? It makes me, scene? it makes me laugh that it's, it's just kind of a lazy idea that keeps getting repeated. Okay. And uh, that, that's, that's what's funny about it. It's like, okay, here we're, do, we're doing this again. Okay. So, so I don't think there's anyone on this planet who is not familiar with this trope. So give me, when you think of this, okay, what's the one, I've got an idea what the answer is going to be. Let's see if I get the right one. Which, what, give me the one that sticks in your mind. Oh, well, uh, yeah, there's one right off the top of my head. Uh, it's it's uh, 48 Hours, Eddie Murphy. Ah, you you beat me. Uh, I had weird science. Ah, and, and well, that's uh, that's the vice that, that that's the the carbon uh, the, the photo negative of that one. Yeah, so that's a, a, a white kids going to a black blues club. Yeah. Forty hours as uh, Eddie Murphy goes into an all white country club set in San Francisco, which makes a lot of sense too. So yeah, uh, 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 a clear indicator of the breadth of this trope. Uh, pretty much everyone has a personal uh, connection to it but in a in a in a maybe a different movie here's here's a question that i do have for you once have you ever actually lived this trope yourself no i i've never been to any club uh that had a record player as the main audio source <laughs> so if that doesn't that's not happening it's almost never gonna the other the second part's not gonna happen well, in a broader sense, have you ever lived this? Have you ever walked into a room and just the, the, the mic dropped the whatever, the, the, the uh, full stop happened? Not quite. I, I, I have uh, I, I have performed like comedy in an all black club before. And um, there were some awkward moments in the beginning. But, you know, I, I tended to win them over. Uh, but um, no, I, I've not had that. Suddenly everyone... Uh, the, the volume goes down to zero and everyone stares at you. I, I haven't oh. seen that yet. No, oh, because the reason I'm dwelling on this is because this did happen to me. Uh, <laughs> and that, and that, so it's a very exciting trope for me to discuss. <laughs> um, and it actually happened in England, believe it or not. Um, when I was at university, um, I went to a, a city in, uh, called Leicester, which is very, very Asian. Um, very high, uh, I'm Asian meaning uh, in Pakistani. This is your hometown though, right? This is my hometown. Where okay. You make it sound like you, you visited this town called Lester, but you, you should well, say my, I mean, my hometown, it, Lester. Okay. No, it, it's a, no, it's not my hometown. Oh. I'm from a little, little village, but it's the city nearby. Okay. And um, yeah, so we lived in, uh, when we were students, we lived in a house in an almost exclusively Asian neighborhood. Indian and Pakistani and at the top of the road there was a, a, a bar I looked it up uh, Google Maps it's still there the Balmoral and we uh, we were looking for some tinnies for after hours uh, partying and we said oh let's let's go in the pub see if they'll sell us any and we got we didn't have the record player scratch but it was boom I mean it, it, it's kind of exciting to actually live the trope to be honest and what what's a tinny? Um, oh, like a takeout beer can. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we walked in and we, <laughs> me and my eighteen-year-old uh, uh, friends were the only non-Indian Pakistanis in the pub, 
and and it was all I swiveled. It was it was exciting. I gotta be honest with you. I've lived the trope, and that's why I've uh, dwelled way too long on it. Um, but yeah, exciting one. I think everyone could name one. I, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's a good experience to have because uh, you know so often you know the, uh, I'm sure that the, the, the people you met uh, they they feel the opposite. So it's good every once in a while for us to be uncomfortable as white people mm -hmm. in, in a group where we're the only white person yeah. in the room. That's uh, that's a growth opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was after some beer, but yeah, I, I may have grown at the time as well. Um, so can you name any other tropes? Because the, the weird science was the one that immediately zinged into my head. Uh, other tropes of this particular like yeah, genre? Yeah. Other, the, the, like other the redneck bar or the movie, yeah. Um, you know, my cousin Vinny has a good one. Uh, where he walks into a redneck bar, and I—I yeah. I, I, I shouldn't say redneck uh, people, uh, homogenized kind of racial <laughs> makeup—but he goes into a bar, and uh, you know he's both he and Marissa Tomei are very you know Italian American, so they they, they read as very ethnic for for this group, yeah. and uh, you think it's gonna be a, a, a scene where he's gonna you know kick someone's ass. It turns out he kind of negotiates it like a lawyer, this ass kicking, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's a great scene. But it's yeah. but again, absolutely, they're playing pool and suddenly the record scratches. Suddenly there's yeah. a record player in the room. And uh, so that's another, that's another good example. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, that, that was a good one. I like that. I like that as a, as a way to kick off it. All right. So let's talk about the next one. Um, the score settling to be found in Yelp reviews. So can you clarify that a little bit? We all know what a sort of madhouse Yelp is. Um, yeah, Yelp's a pretty scummy little platform, as you know, as a business owner. There's a lot of funniness that goes on to, um, you know, the reviews that are on there and, and the services they might offer to get those reviews taken off of there. And uh, as a consumer, I'm, I'm sure it provides some service if you want to kind of do a little intel on that, uh, uh, you know, the... Uh, the veterinarian you want to go visit but for the most part you know let's say 99.9995 percent of our retail transactions are pretty boring occurrences we we order the the pad thai or we we get our dry cleaning and we get it and it's great but there might be that 0.5 percent that, that something goes a little squirrely and there might be some transgressions uh, on one side and that's when someone goes in and they write a yelp review yeah that's almost the sole purpose of that platform is to settle a score with uh, a retail business that's injured you somehow uh, or, you know, on the, on the flip side, maybe it's someone that you really like this retail business and you want to, you know, um, help support them or, or you want to just get some free drinks from them next time you go in. But but for the most part, we, we don't go to Yelp to post reviews unless something really, really bad happened or, you know, the, the opposite. So so you're not um, so you're just talking about it in general. I, I read that as like, well, I've actually been involved in a situation where it was just score settling, that it was literally someone who didn't care. There was no review in, involved in it. It was just a, I'm here to sort of kick it off. So are you, are you looking for things that are clearly transparently not related to a transaction that are just, you know, I'm here to, to sabotage or you well, just like the general brawl that is Yelp? I mean, I just find it, uh, you, you know, just as a way of like uh, uh, media criticism, right? It's kind of like first-person journalism. People are going on to Yelp and they're giving you their 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 story about what what went wrong with this particular business, and it's uh, it's kind of a perversion of what it's for. You know, it should be a, a way to kind of you know provide some feedback on the business or what you got from it, but it shouldn't be this you know this 
first person how I got wronged and and you know yeah. and everyone everyone should, no one should patronize this business because of how they they've wronged me hmm. so just just the general uh bitterness of it all <laughs> is a mute is again is this do you find the reviews funny oh yeah in terms of themselves or oh, yeah. just like it's funny yeah okay yeah I mean social media is this kind of a you know we're, we're we're in an era now where you know it's all performance and um uh you know there's a reason people it's not quite pen to paper but whatever they do the keyboard to the screen why they take the time to do this uh they, they uh you know they obviously want to memorialize something and 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 they they want to do it for an audience and you just have to kind of decode why did they spend the time writing this review and yeah i'm, I'm definitely amused by it you can certainly find similar entertainment on craigslist if you look hard enough hmm. uh, i know you're on you're on craigslist maybe not as, as much as you used to be but just uh, in the free section well now that's where it's especially juicy um yeah, you can read into some of those free ads. Like, I don't want to get involved with that person's personality just based on the way they've worded this ad. You know, it's not worth it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, talking of Yelp, so um, I knew we would have to maybe revisit the Lincoln restaurant, uh, which is our obviously our, our uh, uh, route there. And um, yeah. I, I love the, the the thing I always loved about one of the things I always like about Yelp is just the the violent swing from one star to five star. It almost <laughs> it just renders the whole thing kind of pointless, right? And uh, I went back, and the Lincoln Restaurant is still up there. The Yelp for Lincoln Restaurant, seven years after its demise. And I just wanted to remind people of a few of them. So, you know, Lincoln Lodge listeners will remember with fondness the Lincoln Restaurant. The classic Yelp of, of a mixture of one stars and five stars that leaves you wondering what the hell is going on in this thing. And here's with some of the best ones uh, I picked out. <laughs> So the, the bad, let's start with the bad. The decor, we'll use that term lightly, is confused and outdated. It is a mix of old, new, and just plain tacky. The menu itself is as confused as the decoration in this place. It ranges from pastas to Asian to burgers. <laughs> I mean, that's it right there, I, which I always like that part of it. And yet it was a negative, apparently. A little something for everybody. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nothing exceptional, but something average for every every ethnic group. Uh, here's one getting right to the point. Who eats at this place? I'll tell you who. Old people. <laughs> the inside looks like a grandma's parlor, and you get bland and mushy food. Well, I'm going to disagree with that on, on the latter part of it. But, uh, I mean, that's why we picked it, right? Again, a negative that's a positive. Yeah, I mean, you you look the average of a one and a five star is a three star, which is a solid. That's a solid yeah. score, yeah. so that's, that's that's respectable. So here's my favorite of the negatives. Uh, this one with the vaguely racist menu. Oh no! <laughs> the cigarettes available at the counter, slot machines in the back. I walked out more confused than when I walked in. So someone was looking for some sort of uh, philosophical uh, soccer in, in a restaurant, apparently. Yeah, interesting the word confused comes in again there. It almost makes you think that this the same person wrote two reviews here. Vaguely racist. Vague, uh, yeah, a vaguely I mean, it's named after Lincoln. He, he's, the, he's, the, he's the good president uh, you know, of, the, of that war. That's just, uh, I don't know, that's hilarious. I've never read politics in a menu, uh, ever, got to be honest. 
Uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't have had the Hitler fries uh, so much, but I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the good ones. Uh, this is one of the best kept secrets in the city. Well, we all know how secret it was. There was no one ever in there. Um, it is straight out of the 70s with wood panels, walls, and hostesses with giant hair. That's that, why that is, you picked the place. That's exactly why. Yeah, and uh, and if it wasn't a best kept secret, we wouldn't have got the the venue for Friday nights for uh, fifteen <laughs> yeah. years or yeah. however many it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it really was uh, a, a gem, you know, uh, of a of a Chicago diner institution. And uh, I mean, we we were probably using the space a little past its heyday. I'm sure in the '70s and '80s, it was we, we never would have been able to get in there, but. Um, yeah, I mean, those kind of places aren't opening up anymore. So um, Yelp was kind of beside the point for a business like that. Like, I think you'll find reviews that, you know, they, people had a solid uh, breakfast skillet. That's why you go there. Yeah. Well, let me, let me let, let end on this final positive one, because this one sort of made me laugh a little bit more. Um, I didn't feel as if I was being treated differently for being tattooed non-tattooed straight gay having kids and lots of piercings poor rich dumb whatever and i felt good about leaving a 20 percent tip <laughs> not, I mean, not vaguely racist at all I yeah this is a, i never knew that setting foot in a restaurant could be such a political statement until i read the yelp for the lincoln restaurant yeah a little bit of a rorschach test you, yeah. you see what you want to see so uh yeah yelp uh, anyway, um, sorry to, to bring the nostalgia back there, but I, I felt that was a, a good connection for this. <laughs> so, um, okay, so here's the one. I, I hope you... Yelpers report that the location's now closed. T -t Tell me that there's that notice at the top of the Yelp review for the Lincoln uh, Restaurant. Um, yeah, actually, someone changed the picture to be from one of the Lincoln Lodge shows, which it, it hadn't been before. Um, and there, a lot of the main reviews were sort of, we went there when it closed ah, okay. uh, so sort of thing. So yeah. Confusing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now you've got one that kind of floored me a little bit. Um, so you're going to have to give me this. This is a, this is definitely um, an Americanism that I cannot get, get into, uh, can't understand. So one of the things that, you, that makes you laugh is the whole mystery of ethnic appropriation cons. So by illustration, by way of illustration, Rachel DeLiesel and Hilaria Baldwin are called out here. So please explain this one. Yeah, so Hilaria Baldwin's the most recent example. I think this kind of broke over the holidays. And that's the wife of Alec Baldwin. And uh, she's, uh, I think they, she's young, uh, 20s maybe, but I think they have a kid or two now. Uh, he met her when she was a yoga instructor. And, you know, I think she got involved with media appearances pretty soon after that, started kind of suddenly popping up on cooking, doing cooking segments. But I didn't know the whole story until Amy Schumer kind of blew it up. Amy Schumer is to Hilary Baldwin that Hannibal Burris is to Bill Cosby. She's kind of the one that brought the whole thing down. <laughs> but what happened was she kind of criticized uh, a picture of a, a kind of a half naked Hilary Baldwin with her baby. And then Hilary Baldwin went on Twitter and kind of did a kind of a, speaking from the heart on, on you know, misinterpretations of, of this photo. And she suddenly wasn't speaking with a Spanish accent that we had, everyone had seen her talk with for the last few years. And then it became kind of mysterious. Like, why is she not speaking with his accent anymore? 
and then that all got unpacked and you, and you realize that her name is Hillary Baldwin. She grew up in New York and she's not coming from Spanish parents or Spanish family members. And she's just, uh, you know, kind of a white girl from upstate New York. And, um, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people started, you know, playing back some of her uh, old appearances and, and putting them out on Twitter. And they're, they're showing her like fumble for the word for um, uh, zucchini in English and, and just lots of different things that are, you can, you can realize how hard she's been working on this accent and, and this and this character. And, and then uh, what's funny about this is you wonder, okay, what's, this is obviously like a, a long con, you, you know, it took her a long time to come up with this one. And you kind of wonder what the payoff is. And I guess the payoff is, well, if, if you're a media personality, you know, there can be books and, and um, uh, uh, maybe there's a cooking show or there's some, you know, career out of this. And I guess she thought if she's Spanish, it gives her, uh, it gives her a, a, a gimmick that she wouldn't have if, if she wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you wonder, like, who's all in on this conspiracy? Because obviously, you know, Alex got to be in on it. But are all the Baldwin brothers in on it? You know, uh, you know, how 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 deep and 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 wide is this this web? You know, and uh, that's still unknown. But that, but it's funny because it doesn't seem like it's worth mm -hmm. the pursuit and, and the risk. Yeah, I, I still remember the shock when I found out Madonna wasn't British. I'm still uh, <laughs> reeling from that. Um, she, well, all of a sudden, one day she had an American accent. I was, whoa, whoa, <laughs> when did this happen? I mean, I guess she's just trying to get that um, that uh, Euro passport, though. I mean, if that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it is. Uh, it's definitely okay. I guess I didn't understand it until you. Uh, until you sort of explained it it is kind of a, a a funny thing to go to to it's almost like method acting but in a in real life right yes uh, she, she should have married daniel day lewis uh, instead <laughs> would have would have been, come off as more genuine right well, i mean he, he does it for a role i mean she, this yeah. is a role too but it's, it's yeah it's yeah. just the mystery of why okay. what's the what's the is it yeah. what's the big yeah. payoff here okay all right. All right. Let's let's get into the I'm calling this last little bit here the Travolta section. Now, uh, all of a sudden things get very Travolta uh, in the next couple of items. Is there a specific reason for that? Is um, is there some underpinning of uh, a Travolta-esque aspect to your life that we you, need to you know, know about before we head in? No, I didn't make that connection until just now. Um, I know the the next one is just because it happened to be a movie I saw all over the holidays, so that, that's what made it top of mind. And then the the the, the second reason, the second uh, I guess uh, anecdote we're going to get into is just the first one I can think of that proves this rule. So no, it's just a total coincidence. Okay, so viewers hopefully have seen the because I had not seen this until you sent me the link. Uh, Deborah Winger does a bull riding scene in Urban Cowboy that is we think in intense sexy but is no doubt hilarious so why why would this one scene of the millions of movies i know you have consumed be a thing well, well obviously it's part of a, a bigger picture right yeah yeah so let me set the stage here um so okay travolta does uh, Saturday Night Fever. It's you know it's, it's a huge hit. Uh, it's basically like his breakout from being a TV star and Welcome Back, Cotter. Uh, and then uh, I think he does Grease right after that. Um, 
or maybe I'm wrong, maybe Greece came two years later, but then Urban Cowboy was early 80s. There was kind of a new trend, uh, almost replaced disco. Uh, these kind of um, uh, country Western was like a new music genre that was not just big down South, but it was actually happening in almost this, every city across the country too. And that's what Urban Cowboy was set in, which is one of these big country bars, like kind of like a barn and uh, down in, um, I think, Houston. And then uh, the Mechanical Bull was the big feature of, of a lot of these country Western bars. And then they, uh, John Travolta's character, similar to Vinny, you know, he's got to do the big, you know, Vinny and Saturday Night Fever, he's got to do the, you know, be, do the big dance at the end. This is also he, to, to prove himself and, and to, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, basically uh, fulfill his destiny he has to ride this bull at the end of this movie and, and, and win the contest that's basically uh, kind of a similar arc but earlier in the movie uh, he and Deborah Winger who was just the you know basic creme de la creme of film actresses in the early 80s they have some bumpy times in their, in their relationship I think she has a couple drinks and decides to get on the bull and does just the craziest sexiest bump and grind on this bull they've ever seen and it, it goes on for so long that, I mean, first it's supposed to be sexy, I think, but it goes on for so long that it just gets totally ridiculous. And she's kind of like standing on it and she's doing kind of cowgirl and reverse cowgirl on it. And and obviously it's so, he's running it so slow that, that you know, she would have, uh, that obviously the bull operators wants to see her. He's trying to prolong as long. I mean, it's a it's a kind of a duet between her and the bull rider and the bull uh, operator, you know. But but because if he if he actually ran at normal speech, he would have fallen off of it minutes ago. But it's just such a ridiculous scene. But I I do think that they went into it thinking this is going to be a very sexy you know scene. But it just goes on for so long that um, it, it crosses the the line to something much different. And that that was you saw it in eighty. You saw it in it. Uh, uh, this you know this is one of those movies that would come on a lot in HBO uh, when when I when I was little. But I I saw parts of it. I do not remember seeing that scene uh, mm. back in its time. But no, this is I, I saw the scene for the first time about two weeks ago. Oh okay. Oh okay. I thought it was burned in there. All no. right. So let's just segue straight to the second Travolta part. Well, then. you really had nothing on that, did you? Okay. Well, uh, we're we're just, moving. We're moving. Yeah. I just, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I got to see the film and see it in. You got to see it in proper context. Yeah. You should. Uh, is that does Travolta end with the line "Nobody puts Travolta in the corner"? <laughs> <laughs> the progenitor of it or whatever uh yeah. no well that, uh he does not say something like that but um it's it's okay. definitely worth a watch it's, it's okay. some good i know you like some good americana okay. it's got some good okay. americana in there okay okay all right uh, so we've got a final one here which i know is just a pet thing of yours um i remember you bringing up other instances we've got way when way too old actors are cast as teenagers obviously the the biggest one the, the sort of uh, uh, defining moment of that is Greece, where literally the entire cast is is totally miscast. So so why do you do you look forward to films with this in, or you is that a hindrance? It's not a hindrance, but it kind of makes you wonder, like what was going on. I mean, so the Greece was, uh, I believe that was still late seventies. Uh, I, I think it's just. 78, yeah, I think it's a reflection of the 70s. The 70s were just not a good time for quality control of any kind. Like you don't want to buy houses built in the 70s. You don't want to buy cars built in the 70s. <laughs> the movies built in the 70s are pretty shoddy too. And, and, and I just think it's one thing, I, I, I know there's some sequences in Greece where you know, Travolta's character is like trying out for the sports teams to impress Sandy. And I know there's some guys he's playing basketball with who've got receding hair, hairlines, you know? 
And I remember thinking that that kind of bothered me that, okay, why is this guy look like he's 40 years old and he's on the, you know, he's on the basketball team. That's one thing. But then you look at someone like Stocker Channing, who's playing Rizzo, who could be the, she could be the principal of this school, but, but, but we're supposed to believe she's the, the pink lady. And uh, I mean, she's obviously a great performer and um, she gives it kind of some gravitas, you know, uh, because she's, 19 she's not going to have the chops she has and i'm mm. sure she's almost pushing 40 in this in this but it, but it gives it all kind of a uh um what's, what's the word uh kind of a grot- I, I don't want to say grotesque but it's a, it's a little grotesque because because it, it, it's it's a little weird and, and, and it kind of takes you out of the of the story yeah i mean i was only 10 at the time so it didn't didn't yeah i went to see greece just disclosure i went to see greece at the cinema six times oh um and uh yeah mark geary wasn't always a cynical old man <laughs> and um and it well obviously as a 10 year old it didn't ring any alarm bells to me that there was a 30 year old american you know whatever so um but yeah i don't know i know it's a pet i thought it was a pet i remember you bringing up kevin spacey as bobby darren one time uh, and being kind of annoyed by it uh yeah i mean he was yeah, probably in his fifties, and I think he's trying to play a twenty-year-old Bobby Darren. You know, because yeah. he's doing the kind of the. the it's hard when you do those biopics <laughs> where it's like the whole life of someone. It's, it's better when yeah. it's like Eight Mile, where you're just kind of following someone for like two days. Yeah. You, you know, um, it, it gets a little cheesy when when you when it has to span years like that. I just, I, I guess the one thing I wonder with this is, uh, I, I guess I, I I noticed that more like the background players of like '70s movies, like the people you think we're not supposed to notice that they're they're too old, and I just wonder if it's like they're filming all these on, on a back lot and and, and that you know these actors kind of are sitting around one day they're like day players right and they get called hey, I need two construction workers and a high school basketball player and you know you, you grab the shorts and you, and you put the shirt on regardless of if you're 20 or, or you're, I mean you're not going to be a a, a a 17 year old unemployed actor you're going to be probably in your 30s or 40s so that's yeah. that's who they hire. Never thought about that. Never thought about that. Hmm. Oh, we got we got an update here. Um, <laughs> Producer so, Christine. Stalker Channing was 34. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, you know, my, however old we were, I'm sure 12, 13, she didn't read to you as a, as a high school student. She, she, yeah. she read to you as, as older. I think I might be the only person on this planet who might have seen every Stockard Channing film ever. I sort of saw them. I watched The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh last mm. week. God, that was so bad and you know i mean there's bad and then there's just like get this thing off um and then big boss is a favorite of mine that's a sort of uh i don't know if you, you're probably familiar with that because you've seen everything but i big have not boss seen is, everything it's kind of like spoof disaster movie where they're on a bus okay so it's, uh, it's good okay and then the, the fish that saved pittsburgh that was jimmy walker was the star of that right no no it was some basketball player. oh julius Irwin. yeah dr yeah. j okay yeah, it was abysmal um anywho let's uh because we got to wrap up we are a little bit over time here. oh good you, you, you know um, and if anyone b- believes in pacing it's us tom that's right we didn't um, even get to baby sham yeah so no we're not we're not there that was a that was just a back i'll put that on the links page but we won't we won't get to that mm. um so so i was looking for a pattern here and you had me stumped you really did have me stumped i'm like everything here is so esoteric and and so over the board and I look for a pattern and eventually out of the blue, something hit me. And that something was, um, you are a fan 
of incongruity is what I believe. Okay. You like the thing that shouldn't be where it is, if we think about what we're looking at, right? Maybe not so much on the Yelp, but pretty much everything else, actors that are too old. Um, uh, what was the first one we did? Diddly do. I've forgotten. There were the record player and the and the red yeah, and the redneck bar. Things that are not where they should be seems to be your psychological pattern. So I did some uh, research on it, right? And there's actually an incongruity theory behind comedy, believe it or not, on Wikipedia, which is our obviously main source. The incongruity theory states that humor is perceived at the moment of realization of incongruity between a concept involved in a certain situation and the real objects thought to be in some relation to the concept there you go that's it in scientific terms it's actually and it goes on to say it's the realization of the incongruity not the incongruity itself that makes us laugh I'm starting to get the gist of this podcast. So every podcast ends with a little lesson here at the end. No, 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 no. This is, I mean, sometimes the research doesn't bear out. So uh, uh, we, it go, we go on. 18th century Irish philo- philosopher Francis Hutchison expressed in Thoughts on Laughter, 1725. So uh, they were analyzing comedy back in 1725, well before Mark Maron. Uh, <laughs> what became a key concept in the evolving theory of the comic? Laughter as a response to the perception of incongruity. It's, it's you know, there's there's some weight behind this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, tension is definitely one thing you need. You know, you need yeah. tension, and then you need the relief from the tension. And I, and I guess the, the laughter is what you do to relieve that tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's definitely there's a mechanisms at play here. But you're an incongruity person, Tom. That's the die is cast. All right. I'm inside your head now. <laughs> Give me a lot to think about. I'm all over. Yeah. Um, so that that's really what I found. So uh, let's let's wrap this up because we are a little bit over time. Like I say. Um, so how is how have how have the things that you find funny influenced you in your own output? Shall we say? Uh, how, where where do you take what you see as funny and apply it do you or do you not i i, I do uh I, I think i think a sense of humor is a good lubricant in life and, and a good lubricant in you know personal relations and um uh you know i'm like most of us who work um it's it's been stressful and hard and and you know i, I think when i bring some fine times bring humor into work it, it, it's, a, it's a good thing I don't go out of my way to share jokes, but I just find ways to, you know, lighten the mood with, with humor when I can. So if you walked into a bar with a mechanical ball, you'd say, I know what to do. I know what to do in this situation. Uh, the room. I would love to recreate that scene sometime. <laughs> yeah. But, but you really have to do some, some rehearsals and, <clears throat> and make sure you, you know, you and the bull operator really have a solid plan. Okay. Otherwise someone's going to get hurt. <clears throat> okay, and we'll wrap it up with one final question here. Um, what's the one thing that everyone else seems to find funny and, and Tom Lawler does not find funny? Ah, jeez. I know I should probably prep on that question, give people a t- chance to think, but... Ke- Kevin Hart's one of those, right? Everyone thinks Kevin Hart's funny? Um, I, I, I don't... I think- 
I think that's one of them. And I'm, I'm not quite on to Kevin, Team Kevin Hart yet. No? Because okay. no. he's a personality comic more than anything. I think that enthusiasm is what's selling people, right? Well, that's, I mean, that's a big part of comedy is you got to sell it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I just don't, I heard he has a new a special. It's a real like post-pandemic special. that's really dark. And maybe that's the one I, that's going to hurt uh, me. The darkness will pull you in. Yeah. Okay. But, let's, but, but let's see if what that... I've seen of him so far, and, and it seems very in line with all his commercials, I'm just not into it. Okay. Kevin Hart. Well, he's got the dollars. We do <laughs> not. So anyway, we're going to wrap this uh, podcast up. Sorry we overran a little bit, uh, people. I will be back at 30 minutes next time. I absolutely promise. Uh, Tom, do you have any um, final comments to add? Here's my cat just, just to tell us uh, we are running over. No, this is good. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Um, you have been listening to you think that's funny podcast.com. And we'll insert a generic lip, uh, fade out at this point.